Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Before we study, let us pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your Word together. We ask your Spirit to anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, our minds to be open, and to enlarge us within that we, dear Father God, may walk in the light of your holy written word and be changed according to it from glory to glory. We thank you, dear Father God, for every good thing that will be accomplished in us and through us as we walk in the light thereof. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost and boldness to proclaim the truth of your word in the power of the Spirit. Father, I thank you for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to speak to hearts, words that burn, that penetrate, that change, that activate every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank you for it now in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Romans chapter 8, we're going to begin reading at verse 31 in a moment. But first, I want to share with you that the Word of God teaches us that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And what that means is, if you have low self-esteem, and you think lowly of yourself, and you think of yourself as being a failure, then success in anything is going to be difficult for you to achieve. If you view yourself as facing insurmountable problems that you can't overcome, It's going to be very difficult for you to rise up to a place of victory. If you're a pessimist and every obstacle that's set in your way or placed before you is insurmountable in your own eyes, in your own sight, rising up above them will be very difficult. You see, they should be viewed as windows of opportunity, not insurmountable problems or obstacles. Also, if you're a constant complainer and you gripe about every roadblock that you face in life, rising up above the opposition is not going to be an easy task for you. Why? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you can't see yourself through the victory, the victory won't be yours. On the other hand, you can possess the consciousness of God in your soul. Did you know that? You can possess the consciousness of God in your soul. You can think of yourself as being a master over circumstances through Him that loved you and gave Himself for you. You can, if you want to. As a result, nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing will be able to break your spirit or bring you down to defeat if you view yourself that way in God. You see, the Apostle Paul preached that way to people everywhere he went. He targeted the minds of people and he always preached to elevate their thinking or their soul to the place of triumph, to the place of victory, to the place of mastery over circumstances, over opposition, difficulties, and problems. And that's why I selected this particular passage of Scripture because in these verses we have a revelation of that kind of preaching. Let's begin at verse 31 and see. And as we read these verses, allow your consciousness to be raised to a higher level of overcoming faith. Think of yourselves as possessing God within you and being possessed by God. Think of yourselves as hooked up with the one who overcame 
death, hell, and the grave. In verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? We could stop right there and have a picnic. We can stop right there and get on a spiritual high. We can stop right there and elevate the souls of men to higher heights in awareness of the position that they hold in Christ. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is on my side, then together we make up the majority. God is for me. Be aware of that. Elevate that in your soul. Think like that. God is your partner. Jesus is your friend. You are not alone. The Holy Ghost is your comforter and your helper, your teacher and your guide. We need to raise our level of thinking and start thinking as the New Testament teaches. Paul was telling people, God is for you. Think that way. Who could be against you? He that spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He gave us the best when he gave us Jesus. He held back nothing when he gave us his son. How is it possible that he would not give us then freely all things to enjoy? Can you see that? He wants us to think like that. He wants us to elevate our souls. Thinking in line with God. In line with the revelation of truth. The provisions of the cross. He goes on and says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that has justified you. Don't let anybody say anything about you. Don't let any thought into your mind that tells you that you're no good. Don't listen to anyone that says you can't do it, that you're a failure, that you'll never amount to anything, that you can't be a success. Don't listen to that kind of thinking. Don't listen to your enemy telling you you're not a very good Christian. You're guilty and condemned before God. Don't allow that in your thinking faculties. Elevate your soul. Rise up to think the way God wants you to think. Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who could put anything on your account that is evil or condemning? No one? Nothing. God is the one who through Christ justified us. Who is he, verse 34, that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He's not at work condemning us. He is not at work fault-finding. He is not at work trying to pick and, and nitpick and try to find all these things about us in life. No, 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 no. He's the one that died for us. He's the one that rose again for us. He's the one that conquered the evil nature of man for us. He's the one that resurrected on high, the victorious one. He is the one who is at the Father's right hand, whoever lives to make intercession for us. He's praying for us. He is supporting us, supporting us, encouraging us with the strength of His right hand. Glory to God. Elevate your thinking. Lift your thoughts. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Is there anything Shall tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Or sword? And the answer is no. In times when we struggle in life, there is a temptation within us to think that God is against us. That's human nature. When something is going wrong, many think, well, it must be the hand of the Lord against me. Don't listen to that. I want you to know that when things are going wrong, your God is reaching out to you with a hand of mercy and love. He is reaching out to, to take a hold of you and bring you to a place of victory and triumph. 
He is not seeking out a way for you to be defeated. If he wanted to do that, he just wouldn't have sent Jesus. Amen? Think about that. Why send Jesus if he wants us destroyed? He could have destroyed us without Jesus. Coming and dying. Now, there's that temptation there, but you know what? God is not far from you. Oh, God is very near. As a matter of fact, when you're in trouble, He's a very present help. Glory to God. And when it seems like He is the furthest from you, He is the closest. Very present. As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we barely get along in life. In all these things we can just make it from day to day if we just try so hard. Nay, he says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Glory to God. Did you hear that? The elevation of the soul. Lift up your thoughts. Lift up your eyes. Don't think the lower life. Think the higher life. There's a higher life. And the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. Elevate God in your soul. You possess the very power of God, the very life of God. And in all these things he mentioned here, we are more, not just a conqueror, more than a conqueror through him that loved us. Listen, for I am persuaded. You talk about the elevation of a soul. Here is a persuaded man. Listen to what he says. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present. And what about this one? Nor things to come. Wow. There's nothing in your future that can separate you from God's love. Nothing out there in the eternal ages that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ. Let's read on. Nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a tremendous portion of Scripture. What a place to to rest in and renew the mind in. You see how God wants us to think? You see how Paul preached so as to elevate the soul of man to the place of triumph, victory, and mastery over all the forces that can come against us in this life? And also he presents the idea that nothing else that's out there can separate us from this love. What an absolutely phenomenal truth. We should take some time to ponder over that for a while. It'll just get you on the inside fired up. It'll get you thinking the way God wants you to think. And you know, when you begin to think in your mind the way God wants you to think, it affects you in heart. As a man thinketh, In his heart, so is he. You start thinking you can't make it. You start thinking the Christian life is a a drudgery. You start thinking that life itself is just a big old bore and you just can't wait for Jesus to come back because you're just barely getting along, living day from day to day and, and all that. You think like that, you know what? Life will be miserable for you on this planet. But I'll tell you what, you start thinking differently. You start thinking that you're loved by God Almighty Himself. 
You're loved by the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for you. You are so loved by the Father. He sent his Holy Ghost to confirm that love, to witness that love to your spirit. And there is nothing in this present life and nothing to come that could possibly separate you from that love. No matter what you encounter, no matter how difficult it is, he wants you to know that you are loved, you are provided for, you are cared for. He is right there for you, a present source of help in the time of your trouble. He wants us to think like that. Can you see that? Praise God. I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation in chapter 5. Glory. How is it that the human mind is raised to the consciousness of this kind of mastery in this life? You ever thought about that? How can we really get people to start thinking the way God wants them to think? How can we start thinking the way God wants us to think? Why is it that so many Christians don't think that way? Well, I'm going to share something with you I think that might just get you fired up. Is that okay? You ready to get fired up? I mean, really fired up? This might go against some traditions that are out there, but is that okay? All right. We'll go for it. I believe the number one way that we can really elevate the human soul to the place where it thinks the way God wants us to think is by taking it from the cross to the throne. Listen carefully. Taking it from the cross to the throne. You say, what do you mean by that? At the throne, Christ is crowned victor over death, hell, and the grave. The cross is a place of execution, suffering, and shame. And I realize that the cross has been used to symbolize Christianity. But you know the very fact that the cross is used to symbolize Christianity shows us that the mind of man is chained to the tomb? Listen. The mind of man is chained to the tomb that holds the one they love. Think about that just for a moment. Don't get too religious on me. Give me a little bit of latitude here. I really believe with all my heart that that which should symbolize Christianity is a scepter. A 14-karat gold scepter. You know what a scepter is? It's a rod that is carried that symbolizes royal authority. That's what it is. Now, in no way am I minimizing the cross. Because, you see, as Christians, we revere the work of our Savior upon that cross, don't we? And we love to think about how much He loved us as He suffered and died for us on that cross. But you see, beloved, if that's as far as our thinking goes, then we are far beneath the kind of thinking that God wants us to maintain within our minds. It's true that he died on the cross. It is true he suffered our shame, humiliation, and pain. And we are forever indebted to him. We are ever so thankful to him. We are ever so grateful to him. But, beloved, he didn't stop there. He came from heaven to earth to show the way. He went from the earth to the cross. Why? Our debt to pay. But from the cross, he went to the grave. And from the grave, he went to the sky. Hallelujah. And it was there 
that he was exalted as King of kings, Lord of lords, and given the scepter of righteousness, which is the scepter of his kingdom. You see, if we only view the cross, this is what you come up with. I'm just a worm in the dust. Just a sinner saved by grace. That's me. An unworthy thing, barely getting along, hoping and praying that maybe God would make my life or my journey upon this earth a better one. You see, beloved, we are guilty in the modern church because the modern church has presented that type of Christianity to the people. But, beloved, there is a trip that Jesus took from the cross to the throne that needs to be revealed. And the human mind must be elevated to think in line with what took place. You see, beloved, Jesus was crowned as King of kings and Lord of lords. And in that crowning, He was given power and authority over all the powers of darkness and death, hell, and the grave itself. He said, Behold, I am He that liveth from heaven but was dead, he died. But behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the authority over death, hell, disease, sin, sickness, and the grave. I want you to see that. He arose victorious. And when he was seated, he was crowned King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and given a name above every name so that any name of any being or thing on heaven, in heaven, on earth, or under the earth must bow in submission to the authority of that name. Too much of our thinking is far beneath what really took place in the resurrection of Christ. In that resurrection, we have a revelation of the higher life the resurrected life, the power of the living God, mastery over all the powers of evil, over all the forces of darkness. And it is the intended purpose of God that we as believers enter into that place of victory, triumph, and mastery over all that is evil. But we can only do that if we elevate our thinking to this place of understanding. In the mind of God, Christianity is the triumph of Christ over sin, death, hell, and the grave, as well as every man, I mean, sorry, every enemy of God and man. That's in the mind of God. See, that's the way God thinks. In the mind of God, Christianity is the life of the resurrected Christ manifesting itself in the life of everyone who believes on Him and calls upon His name. See, that's in the mind of God. In the mind of God, every child of God is a victor, a master over circumstances, triumphant in this life. Remember the verse that says, My life, is a continual pageant of triumph. Think about that statement that Paul made to the Corinthian church. A continual pageant of triumph, diffusing the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. You talk about an aroma. Everywhere I go, people know Christ in me. There is a fragrance, an aroma about the one that knows God, whose consciousness has been raised to this kind of thinking, to this level of appreciation of who they are in Him. My life is not one of, one of despair or defeat. My life is one of victory and triumph 
and mastery over all the opposition. What about yours? See, that's what Paul is revealing to these people. In the mind of the living God, Christians are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus, and made more than conquerors over all the forces that come against them in this sphere of life in which we live. Notice I said, in the mind of God. Did he not say that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus? Made more than conquerors through him that loves us? Did he not say, whosoever is born of God overcometh the world? Is that not what he said? Beloved, this is the place that God wants our souls to be elevated to. He wants us to rise up with a holy fervor. And He wants us to enter into this life, this understanding, this knowledge of what we possess and who we are in Him. But you see, what matters, beloved, is what we think of ourselves. This is what God thinks about the Christian. But what do we think? Do we think in line with the modern church that says, I'm so unworthy, a worm in the dust, barely getting along, hoping and praying that God would do something for me in this life? Do we think that we are unable to approach His presence because of our guilt and sin consciousness? Therefore, we have to kind of sneak in the back door hoping and praying that God might hear us. Or can we dare think like God thinks about us? Can we also view ourselves as being possessors of these powers that raised up Jesus from the dead? Can we see ourselves as heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, made more than conquerors through Him that loves us, kings and priests of the living God, washed from our sins in His blood, partakers of a higher nature, a new nature, the nature of the living God, possessors of His omnipotent power, In this life. Beloved, I believe the modern church has failed in revealing these truths to the people. But I thank God for a new breed. I thank God for a new breed of people rising up, taking their place, allowing their minds to be renewed not holding themselves back because of their feelings and their emotions, not allowing the flesh to keep them overcome by the law of sin and death, but yielding themselves to the very life and nature of God that is within them, allowing their minds to be renewed to these blessed and glorious truths, Daring to step out of the boat of sense, knowledge, and human reason that holds them back and keeps God little in their lives. But climbing out, stepping out by faith and saying, God, enlarge your borders in me. I will dare believe I am who you say I am. I will dare believe that I am more than a conqueror through the one that loves me. I will dare believe all things are possible unto him that believeth. I will take hold of these truths and I will renew my mind. And I'll not be satisfied until I enter into the full revelation of who I am. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. And I want you to see this cry 
of Paul's heart. Beloved, I would rather have my mind chained to the scepter of righteousness than anything else in this life. Like I said, I appreciate the cross. I appreciate all that it stands for. But Jesus did not stop at the cross. And when He said it was finished, He was not talking about the finished work of God in redemption. He was talking about the Abrahamic covenant. For the work was far yet from being done. There was still much more He had to do. He suffered for our sins. He paid the penalty. He rose up from the dead. He went into the high court of heaven. He took His holy blood. He offered it as a living sacrifice. He cleansed all the utensils of worship. He obtained an eternal redemption for us. He came back down to the earth. He showed Himself to be alive. The One who was alive but dead, but now alive forevermore. And from among the dead, was raised up victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And there was no power strong enough to hold Him down. He proved that greater is He that is in us and He that is in this world. And the work He did in us is greater than the work that Satan did in Adam in the fall. There was a work still yet to be done. And then, of course, He was crowned. Oh, the crowning of our Lord before all the angels. Can you see it with me? Yes, they saw Him as He was ascending into heaven. But we have a revelation that tells us He was seated at the Father's right hand as well as proclaimed to be the one whose scepter was one of righteousness, which was the scepter of His kingdom. And He said, let all the angels of God bow down and worship Him. Can you see this second crowning of our Lord there in that high court, in that high place at the Father's right hand? Can you see that with me? Beloved, you know why I want you to see that with me? Because unless you see His triumph, unless you see His victory, unless you see His mastery over all the forces of evil, unless you see Him there crowned as King of kings and Lord of lords and Master of the universe, you will not see yourself triumphant in Him. There's where the problem lies. Thank God for the cross. But our Savior's not in a tomb anymore. Thank God. He's alive and well and triumphant and victorious and a master over all these things. Thank God He has the scepter. Thank God He carries with Him the, the royal authority and power of this high place. Not for Himself, but for His church. For every child of God. Are you listening? Amen. He entered there for us. Where He ever lives to make intercession for us. Where He represents us before the Father as the high priest of the new and everlasting covenant. He's there for us. He washed us from our sins. He made us kings and priests unto our God. Beloved, there's a new breed. That new breed includes people whose minds are changed and chained to the scepter of righteousness that symbolizes their triumph and their victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave. This new breed of people is also a group whose spirits are yielded to God until their nature becomes the very possessor of the spirit that was in Christ. And what I mean by that is this. You are in a place where there is a calm about you regardless of the circumstance. As Jesus was out on the boat and the storm arose, His disciples were frantic. They were panicking because their lives were in danger. But not the Master he had all things under control. There was a calm about him. You see, sometimes that spirit of mastery over all the forces against us is not expressed in a shout or a dance. Sometimes it's just in a quiet calmness of poise that says, why are you so fearful? 
What troubles you? Peace. Be still. And instantly, everything becomes poised and calm. You know, there is a place like that in Him for us. Do you know in the mind of God we are all possessors of that same mastery? Do you know that God has designed that we be lifted to that place in spirit? I mean that. I don't know about you. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want my soul elevated. I want to absorb the fullness of Christ. I want to be the possessor of that same spirit of mastery over all the things that confront us in life. Beloved, that is when we will begin to realize the true spirit of mastery that Jesus possessed. And that's when we will begin to walk in the same spirit of life that He walked in. When He said... I am he that liveth and was dead. But look, I have all authority. Everybody say all authority. authority. Listen, are you ready for it? Behold, I give you power and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Here he sits. In spirit we sit with him. Our minds are way down here. Our soul needs to rise to be elevated to this place of awareness and consciousness until we absorb within us the very spirit of mastery that possessed our Lord when He walked on this earth. And that comes as we are still and know that He is God. Beloved, we can face then circumstances and adversities in a fearless calm, poised in our emotion, knowing that the very arms that uphold the universe are beneath us in the most grievous time of trouble. And we'll say, I fear not. For greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. God is raising up a new breed. Those that possess the victory of God in their soul that Paul spoke of in those verses in Romans. But I want you to see the passion of Paul as he sought out to obtain and achieve this same spirit of mastery. Look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. I'm sorry, Verse. start with verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. Do you understand what he was saying? I am willing to leave behind my religious tradition. I am willing to let go of all that I have learned. I am willing to separate myself from anything and everything that would hold me back and prevent me from entering into this consciousness of who I am in Christ. Anything that will hold my soul down, weight it down, I am willing to let go and count it but done for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him. 
intimately becoming more progressively acquainted with Him and the power of His resurrection and that power that exerts itself over believers' lives. In other words, I long for and desire to enter into the same powers that controlled my Savior and Lord. I want to know Him. I want to know the purpose of God, the plan of God. I want to flow with the power of God that raised up Jesus from the dead that has been given to every child of God that believes on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I want to know Him. I want to know the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering. I want to be made conformable unto His death. In other words, I want to die in the flesh that I may live in the Spirit. And I long for the day when my flesh is swallowed up of life. When the Zoe life of God, the very nature of the Almighty, has entered my soul and possesses me in such a way that every fleshly desire that I have is no longer a consideration to be fulfilled. Amen. But it's Christ in me that possesses me. It's His glory, His omniscience, His might, His power, His dominion, it's that fearless mastery that I possess over all things in this life. If by any means, look at verse 11, I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And what that is referring to is the life, the power, the nature, the might, the character of God in Christ taking over my life. That is what he was striving for. And saints of God, there are many roadblocks along the way. And everyone targets the mind of the child of God. I want you to know tonight that as you think in your heart, you will be. And if you limit yourself and limit God who is in you, you will not rise up above seemingly obstacles, that are insurmountable. But if you change your way of thinking, if you begin to think as God thinks, as you begin to see yourself as God sees you, as you harmonize with the very thoughts of God regarding who we are in Christ, and you view yourself as more than a conqueror through all those things mentioned in Romans chapter 8, then little by little, Christ will possess your soul. We're talking about not just your spirit. Your spirit is born of God, but your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. Your thinking faculties will be rejuvenated with the very power of the life of God. You will confront situations, adversities, difficulties, obstacles, with a calm and a poise possessed by Christ Himself, you will be still and face adversity knowing He is God. And that God that you know possesses you and enables you to be more than enough to overcome in that situation. This is what God has desired in the new creation. Beloved, He is coming back for that kind of a spotless church. Amen. He is not coming back for the worm in the dust. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I'm talking about those that think like that right now. I believe before He comes, their consciousness is going to be changed. There is going to be an outpouring of God and a move of God that is going to bring those people out of the dust of that kind of thinking into the glories of the power of the resurrected life. And they're going to walk in the fullness of that. Are you among that, those people? Are you a new person among the new breed? 
those who long to walk in this kind of resurrection life, I challenge you tonight, beloved, I challenge you to meditate those verses in Romans chapter 8. Let's go back there and close there real quick. I challenge you to change your way of thinking tonight. I challenge you to view life differently beginning tonight. I challenge you to begin seeing yourself as God sees you and thinking of yourself as He thinks of you. I challenge you to allow yourself to be lost in Him, to be possessed by Him, to be overtaken by Him. Verse 31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Individual, who can be against you? Who can defeat you? Who can overcome you if God be for you? Say it with me. God is for me. God is with me. God is in me. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. In the most difficult of times, He is my present help in times of trouble. Who can defeat you then? Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? He spared not His Son. He delivered him up for you. How shall he not freely with him also give you all things? All things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? God has justified us. Say with me, God has justified me. I live before his presence just as if I've never sinned. That's what justify means. I challenge you. I challenge the elevation of your soul. You live before Him right now just as if sin had never been. Why? Because of what you've done? No. Why? Because Jesus Christ on the cross bore our sin and took it away removed it, dealt with it, paid the price. He satisfied the claims of justice. The high court of heaven says we are vindicated. Sin has been done away. It's been dealt with. And the blood remits all sin. You're a king. You're a priest. I can't close without going back to Revelation that I never got to. Glory to God. I got carried away. I want you to view this. I want you to see this because, beloved, our Lord is not in a grave. He is not in a tomb. The symbol of Christianity is the scepter of righteousness. He's a king. Chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And everyone was dumbfounded. No man in heaven, nor in the earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much. Even John was in a place where he did not know what to do. He was overwhelmed. He was overtaken by the scene because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, I challenge you, saint of God, tonight, that your your mind and your soul would be elevated and your consciousness of who you are in Christ would be lifted up to this place that you would see Him as He truly is. I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders to the Lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. 
I want you to know in the midst of all that confusion, in the midst of all those people being dumbfounded with a great calm and poise, Jesus walked right on over to the very presence of his heavenly Father and he, in verse 7, came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vows full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and made us kings and priests unto our God. Are you listening? Yes, he was slain. Yes, he redeemed us. He offered his blood. But now he is crowned as king of kings and lord of lords. He is recognized by every being there in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and everyone bows down to the triumphant, victorious Christ who is master over all things and made us kings and priests unto our God giving us authority, His authority, His power, His nature, His character, His love, His heart, His presence of mind, His boldness and authority in this earth to act in His stead as ambassadors and representatives on earth. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, 1,000, 1,000, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. Every creature which is in heaven, on earth, under the earth, such as are in the sea, all that are in them are I saying, Blessing, honor, glory, power be unto him that sits upon the throne and in the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen, and four and twenty elders fell down before him that wor and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. Beloved, he's triumphant. Beloved, he's glorious. Be beloved, I'm telling you, he's master of the universe. And his spirit of mastery is ours to enjoy. You better stand. Let's stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.